he got a hint when he was on the mountain of transfiguration and he heard the father say, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. You remember Peter on the mountain there, he was wanting to build three tabernacles. He missed the point. He saw Jesus, he saw the transfiguration, he saw the glorification, he saw Jesus in all of his glory and he was wanting to put it in a can and sell it somewhere. You know, let's build three tabernacles. Let's don't ever go down from here. Jesus says, I've got to go to the cross. And Peter says, Lord, you can't go to the cross. He starts rebuking the Lord. You know, you better watch out when you start rebuking the Lord. The Lord says, the Father says, this is my beloved son, Peter. Hush. Listen to him. Listen to what he's saying. But on that mountain, he got a hold of something. And then in, in Matthew 16, he makes this great confession. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You say, well, that was Peter. He, was an, he, he became an apostle. He had to have that revelation. You know, <clears throat> I believe this for a long time uh, before something happened in my life. I believe those apostles had something I didn't have. And I, after I was baptized in the Spirit, I still believe those apostles had something I, I didn't have. You know what they had? They had a revelation of Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. Turn with me to, to uh, Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1, the apostle Paul says that he received a revelation from God. Now, I'm not trying to get flaky with you here. I'm really not. I'm not trying to, 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 to say that there's some kind of deeper life club here. You know, you can join and you can join and you can join. The rest of you are outside the gate. I'm not saying that at all. But listen to Paul when he says in, in uh, Galatians 1.12, he says, For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 16 he says, To reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him. Among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer or consult with flesh and blood. Listen to me very carefully. When you, when you read the Bible, listen, this isn't Jesus. You don't have Jesus under your arm here. Or if you've got one of those little pocket testaments, you can't say, well, I got him in my back pocket now. No. This is the gateway to his revelation. This book God will use in your life to reveal the Son of God to you. But simply because you know John 3.16 doesn't mean you know Jesus. And simply because you give the right words to people doesn't mean they're going to get saved. And even if they say the right words with you, it doesn't mean they're saved. What do they have to have? They've got to be encountered head on by the King of glory. That's the only way they're going to get saved. Not because you go to the right church. Not because you baptize with the right formula. Come on. The reason people get saved is because they encounter Jesus. Listen, Jesus said that they came into his own. Boy, I was, I'm working these interpreters overtime, aren't I? And that's... Yeah, you, had, you, had to, you, you brought your sub in, didn't you? Okay. All right. I, if I get to going too fast, you let me know and I can slow down. Hallelujah. Well, I had to take a breath. Revelation. You've got to encounter Jesus. You know, here was this spirit-baptized pastor. And I knew I was saved. I knew I was going to heaven when I died. 
I knew that I was a tongue talker. In those days, I could do that. I could lay hands on the sick and see them healed. But I needed something. I needed a personal encounter with Jesus. Jesus, the man of Nazareth, of Galilee, that walked those streets and that said to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. And I wanted that. And so I locked myself up in a motel room. And I waited there until Jesus revealed himself to me. I came out of there with some things that no one had written down in a book. I knew what the apostle was talking about now. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to me. Now, when I go to the Bible, it's a different book. I mean, it's all there. But it's not, it's, it's not there because someone said, see here, see here. Because, you know, I would take that revelation and try to preach it. Blah. I mean, it would just, the words would just dribble down my tie and make a puddle on the floor. I mean, I couldn't get it across to anybody. But it had impacted my life. And I had to pray some more. Lord, what is it? He said, you can't convey this with flesh and blood. You can't convey this with words of men's wisdom and enticing. You've got to pray for those people that they will encounter me also. We're caught up in traditions and churchianity and people out there in the world, old Joe Pagan out there in the world is fed up with it. He'd like to know Jesus, but we're standing in the way. You and I are standing in the way. Listen to me, class. If you are going to pioneer church, if you're going to do anything for God that's going to count for eternity, then you've got to get a hold of Jesus. Now you say, well, I know Jesus. I used to say that too. I used to hear about churches growing, you know, as a Southern Baptist pastor, and I'd go say, what's your gimmick? And somebody would say to me, it's just Jesus. I'd say, oh. Oh, well, I'm, oh, well, yeah. But that's all it is, folks. He's the breath you breathe food you eat it's him if when I preach all you get is me you didn't get your money's worth when I preach I want you to get him when you talk to people on the street about Jesus you want them to encounter him not your wonderful sermon. You want them to encounter Jesus. Flesh and blood won't reveal it to them. I can't reveal Jesus to you. I tried. <laughs> I tried to reveal Jesus to people. You know, the door, you just can't get the door open. God's the only one that's going to do it. Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my father who's in heaven. And so I changed my prayer strategy. Father, reveal yourself to these people. 
Lord, let me just be the platform upon which you preach. Let my sermon preparation and everything I do just simply be the platter, the tray upon which you feed your people. Let me just be the vessel. Let me be the errand boy so that you can talk to your folks, so that you can reveal yourself to them. And one by one, the lights began to turn on. Not because I changed what I, you know, I, I was still preaching the same sermons. Once in a while, I'd go back and preach an old one. But something happened. Something began to happen in those people's lives. And that's what I was looking for. Oh, boy. He gave us the keys, folks. Matthew 16, it says he gave us the keys. Now, what are those keys? Now, I'm just going to say it, and you're going to have to trust me. And, and you don't even have to believe this. It's just more of a theory than anything else because I can't link this to, to uh, Acts chapter 2-4. But I believe that when Jesus says he was giving us the keys, that he was giving us the gifts. Jesus ascended, the same that ascended, descended into the earth, and he gave gifts to men, Acts 4, uh, 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 Ephesians 4-7. He gave gifts unto men. He gave us gifts. And those gifts are what opens the door. I believe the keys that Jesus is talking about are those gifts that will open the doors. Those spiritual gifts, those spiritual manifestations. If we had time, we'd look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and those first five verses there. And these, what we call spiritual gifts, really were hard-pressed. I mean, uh, when we look at it in the Greek, to really call them spiritual gifts, at least all of them. Uh, but what Paul is actually calling them is manifestations. These are manifestations. And of these manifestations, there are gifts, there are workings, there are ministries. These are manifestations. Manifestations of the Spirit. In other words, when you give a word of knowledge, and I'd like to be able to develop this with you, but when you give a word of knowledge, the Logos, in the beginning was the Logos. The word of knowledge is a, a logos of knowledge. In other words, there is a manifestation of the very presence of Jesus when you give a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. And, uh, Jesus wants to manifest himself. He'll manifest himself in healing. He'll manifest himself in discernment. He'll manifest himself in tongues, interpretation of tongues. But Jesus wants to reveal himself to the people in the church and to the people of this world. Um, look with me in Matthew chapter 9. We'll see there that uh, Jesus was very, very serious about this. Jesus didn't reveal himself by calling himself who he was, son of God. In fact, he, he would try to diffuse all of that understanding, and he referred to himself differently, didn't he? What did he call himself? Son of man. He was, not, he was not waiting on flesh and blood to reveal to those people who he was. He was not going to say it himself, in other words. But it is, isn't it interesting? His enemies were constantly asking him, are you the son of God? All right, now, Jesus in John 9, uh, Matthew 9, 35, says, was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease. Now listen, when you preach the gospel of the kingdom, you are announcing to the world, hey, world, 
there's another kingdom. And in that kingdom there is a king. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Now Caesar doesn't like that when you start talking that way. Here come the three wise men and they say to, to, to Herod, We've come to worship the real king. We've seen his star in the east. Man, that went over great. Yeah, and Herod says, yeah, I'd like to worship him too. And when you find out where he is, you let me know and I'll come worship him with you. Yeah, he wanted to worship him, all right. He wanted to put him six feet under. I mean, you're making all kinds of political statements when you talk, start talking about King Jesus. Hey, these guys that have turned the world upside down have come here also, and they're saying that there's another king besides Caesar, one Jesus of Nazareth. Acts 17. I mean, Jesus says, preach the kingdom of God. No wonder the devil's fighting it. He doesn't want you preaching the kingdom of God. He doesn't want there to come a manifestation of who Jesus really is. That's what's behind all that strategy of the enemy, to try to confuse the church about the kingdom. We've gotten to the point where every time we see the word kingdom in our Bibles, we want to wrap, rip it out. I mean, I mean, no, 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 not, don't, don't, don't say that word. I mean, you wouldn't have much New Testament left if you ripped out every place you found the word kingdom. It's there to stay, folks. And so is his kingdom. Now, people will abuse it, but that doesn't mean you need to neglect it. The church has neglected kingdom concepts, and that's the reason we have Jehovah's Witnesses today. They've moved into that void. And I'm sure that they're excited about the idea that we're divided on the kingdom concepts now. So Jesus went everywhere proclaiming the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of sick, sickness and every kind of disease. Now that you say that's Jesus, well, what about us? How does that apply to us? Well, next chapter, please. Uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. He says, and as you go, in other words, no matter what you're doing, preach Jesus. Don't just preach Jesus the Savior, preach Jesus the King. You'll get in trouble with Caesar when you do it. But do it anyway, he says. And as you preach Jesus the king, saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead. Jesus says to me, heal the sick. Can you imagine that? You ever hear somebody say, well, it's not me healing, it's Jesus. Well, why did he tell me to heal the sick if it's him? Well, of course it's him. He lives within me. But he told me to go and heal the sick. He didn't say, you go and I'll heal the sick. He said, you go and heal the sick. How can he say that to us? I'll tell you how. In the Great Commission, Jesus says, All authority is given to me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, he's got the authority. He's delegating some of it to me. And I can go with the same authority. I can go and open those doors with the key that he has given me. I can do it. That doesn't mean that I've got the authority now and Jesus doesn't. No. I am not about to strip Jesus of his authority. He's still in charge, folks. He's still a king. And the people that don't think so are going to answer to him someday anyway. The church is not in charge in that sense. Jesus is still in charge. But he has delegated his authority to me. And it's up to me to, to use those keys to open doors the, he, says in, he says in that great confession that the gates of hell shall not prevail. He says to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, the, the church, uh, how does it go? 
uh, the gates of hell, upon this confession, Peter, I will build my church. He didn't build a church on flesh and blood. The revelation didn't come by flesh and blood. He didn't build a church on Peter or any of the other apostles. He built a church on that great confession that Jesus is the Christ. And it came by revelation, and the church is established by that revelation. The church will live or die by that revelation, and the church does not understand revelation. If you're going to pioneer a church, you better know who you are in Christ Jesus. If you're going to go out there and, and try to win someone to Jesus, you need to understand that Jesus wants to, to reveal himself through you. Not, you. You couldn't argue anybody into the kingdom. I'll tell you, I, I've tried to do that. One time when I was in Philadelphia in 1972, I went to a Southern Baptist convention, me and several uh, Baptist uh, pastor friends of mine, and uh, we heard that the Guru Maharaji was in town. And we thought, well, we'll just go check that dude out and see what he sounds like. And we waited and waited and waited. He never did show up. That, well, I started to call him something, but he never did show up. But we, we tangled with a few of his, I mean tangled with a few of his uh, devotees. And we would try to say to them things like, well, Jesus is the Christ, not this 16-year-old guru that you worship. And he says, well, how do you know that? And we'd go to John 3, 6, different places in the Bible, and they, they'd say to us, those are just words. Listen, folks, if you're going to pioneer a church, you've got to have more than words. Our, word, our, our gospel didn't come in word only, but in power and demonstration. You've got to have the keys in your hand if you're going to pioneer a church. And you've got to turn some doors open, and you've got to come up to the very gates of hell and say, in the name of Jesus, let my people go. If you can't do that, stay home or you'll eat peanut butter. You like peanut butter? Not bad. You know, I really wouldn't be here today if it weren't peanut butter. I mean, <clears throat> but I wouldn't want a steady diet of it all the time, would you? Okay, see there, I didn't even get to church growth principles, so you'll have to come to my church growth class in the fall. <laughs>